This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. A bizarre death has people questioning, what is reality? And then we take a look at two terrifying stories that ask the question, is it possible that murderers can trap the souls of their victims? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. Maybe you got some plans for the weekend. A night swim? Maybe? I might go see that movie this weekend. It's about a haunted swimming pool. I'm actually, I've actually been looking forward to it for about a month or two. This isn't an ad. I just think it looks cool. But someone who always looks cool, running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command right now. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Daddy Bobbles. Woohoo! Yeah! Wee! Yeah, <laughs> jumping on in, running on into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Daddy Bobbles, you're going to be our captain, our pilot of this episode. They posted their Spotify wrapped on their social media, helping get the word out. If you guys can't support the show through the Patreon, if you guys can't support the show through the merch store or anything like that financially, I totally understand. I do. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. Do what Daddy Bobbles did. Help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. We got a ton of stuff to cover today, so first off, Daddy Baubles, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Radio Command, fly us all the way out to California. (laughs) Nice leisurely ride in this Dirgible, this big old blimp, the money blimp flying high above the country. We're flying all the way out to San Jose, California. It's October 12th, 2023. Daddy Bobbles, go ahead and land the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're going to be walking around. We see all these police officers surrounding a car in this otherwise sleepy suburban neighborhood in San Jose. And we got like the copies like taking the pictures. <laughs> Big flash bulb on it. I wonder if now they take, if the cops just take pictures with their, I wonder if the cops even need to take pictures anymore. I know they don't have big flash bulbs on their cameras that make those cool sound effects, but you know, like, you always had the crime photographer who'd be out there and be like, here you go, boss, photos fresh off the streets. Look at this. Look at all these dead people. We better solve these murders. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, officer cameraman. Now nah, you got it, boss, if you need any more help. I'll be in the dark room developing more gruesome photos. <laughs> You're like, why'd you say gruesome, weirdo? I wonder if nowadays they just pull out their cell phones and take pictures. Or, you know, it's all on body cam now. You don't really even need photos. It's easier to look at a photo. Because, you know, like in movies and stuff, when, like, the suspects in the interrogation room, they're like, look at these. These are all your victims. They throw all the photos on the table. And the guy's like, no, no, I don't want to see them. I don't want to see when I done. I mean, somebody else done. 
it doesn't have the same panache to be like this. This is what you did, and it's like thirty minutes of police footage and cops stopping for in and out. He's like, and you're like, can you fast forward to the murders I committed? I mean, didn't commit, and the cops are like, oh, we're walking around this crime scene. You see all these police officers looking at this car, and I turn to you and I go, we're not going to get too close to the car. We're not going to. First off, I have several warrants out for my arrest. So we should probably hide in these bushes. The police still haven't caught onto my brazen bank robbery scheme yet. We're about to take a look at the case of a young woman named Erin Valenti. She's 33 years old. And she's been missing for a couple days. People go missing. Often it's them leaving. Most missing cases are resolved very quickly. Someone just left. They didn't want to deal with a situation or they were trying to like run away from a really bad situation. They usually come back. But a lot of times police can go, this is the type of person who would run away. This is the type of person who would cut off all contact for a couple of days. Maybe they're a drug user. Maybe they're out doing something else. Aaron Valenti, however, was a very well-respected businesswoman. She had started a company called Tinker Ventures, where they developed apps for other companies. They're an app developer. You can see tons of articles, interviews with Aaron about business and business philosophy and all of this stuff. Not someone who would just go off the grid for a while. So when she went missing, you would have thought that the cops... would have immediately taken the case. I mean, there's a big difference between if I go missing and Bill Gates goes missing, which he may because those Epstein lists are being released as we speak. Bill Gates may may be out of the uh, limelight for a while. I don't think he'll actually go missing, but I just think he might keep a low low profile. If I was your PR guy, Bill, that would be my advice to you. Keep a low profile. Anyways... So what happens is, let's, I, I kind of gotten ahead of the story. Erin is a Utah-based businesswoman. She was visiting California for this three-day business seminar for business leaders. That was in Orange County, California. After that workshop's done, this is all happening in October of 2023. She goes out to Orange County to attend this workshop. After that's done, she flies up to the Bay Area to hang out with a couple of her friends. And once that's done, you know, she leaves. She's leaving her friend's place. She drives away. And she begins to post these very alarming statements on Facebook. So her loved ones are getting these pings, and they're just like, what? What is that? Well, it's just like this weird, rambling, manic type writing. It doesn't make sense. It's very out of character for Aaron. She then begins calling her family members, and they can tell something's wrong. They can tell that... It's one of those things that you couldn't really put your finger on. You could just tell that that something's off. She's making these statements on Facebook, and then, I don't know if she called her family members or if they called her, but talking to her on the phone, they could tell something was wrong. 
And it alarmed them so much that they ended up contacting the police in San Jose, where she was at at the time. But when the police called up Aaron, she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. That was I was just joking with them. Like, I, I really apologize if I scared them. I was just like being goofy. All the posts and the phone calls. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm headed home. Don't worry about it, guys. Police are like, okay. Adults do weird things sometimes. October 7, 2023, Aaron's plane lands in Utah. She's not on the plane. So at this point, they do, the family does report her as a missing person. They go, listen, we know she said she was just joking. This is a pretty elaborate joke for anyone, the whole I'm missing routine. She's making these super alarming statements. Now she's not on the plane. She was supposed to be home. So the police do start looking for her at this point. They do have a missing person, but it, it it's a businesswoman. You think maybe she might have got mugged or robbed or kidnapped or something like that, but you could also think, well, maybe she just needed some time off, an extra break. She definitely had the money to kind of go anywhere, rent a car and just kind of disappear in a city for a couple days. Well, October 12th, she is found dead in a car in a residential neighborhood in San Jose. And I believe, I don't know if it was a rental car, because I know she had traveled down here, she'd flown down here, so I'm assuming it was a car she had rented. But she was found dead in her car in San Jose. This story hasn't even started to get weird. Like, that's pretty basic stuff, unfortunately. Someone travels to another city, they don't make it back. These phone calls and messages she was posting on Facebook, we don't have a lot of specifics, except for this quote you will often see in news articles about her death. This quote is repeated over and over again in all of these different articles. This is the one thing we know for sure that she said. She was telling people, quote, it's all a game. It's a thought experiment. We're in the Matrix. So something, this was completely out of her normal behavior. Something freaked her out. And she started to get into that mindset that we all live in a simulation. She's not alone. There's a lot of people who believe in we live in a simulation. I personally know people who, who believe that. People who actually believe that we're all in a computer simulation. And none of them are manic. They just go, yeah, you know, probably, statistically, we're probably in a simulation. Oh, by the way, I, I gotta pay my rent. Um, hey, do you want to go to Freshies this weekend? We'll go have a bagel, drink some coffee. It's like, it doesn't freak them out. It doesn't freak them out in any way, shape, or form. They just believe that we're trapped in a simulation. They're not then like, I know Kung Fu, and they're like karate chopping people in the neck. They just go, this is my belief system. It doesn't cause them to go insane. However, what would happen to you if all of a sudden you found that out? 
imagine if you had no idea of anything. And I think this happens to a lot of people in conspiracy theories. They go along their life, they hear nothing. Or maybe they just hear like a little tidbit here or there. And then one day they sit down and the YouTube algorithm shows them videos about how we live in a simulation. And it blows their mind. They're 43 years old. They never even thought that this was possible, that this could be some sort of theory. I think this happens to a lot of people. That's why people love Flat Earth so much. It's the same thing when you meet a new Christian, when you meet someone who's like in their early 20s or 30s who've just become a Christian and that's all they want to talk about. That's all they can talk about. I mean, that's good, right? I got I got no problem with that, but... You know what I mean? It's the same thing with flat because all of a sudden for the first time they've heard all of this stuff and they feel like they've been given the keys to the truth. Us, we're like, oh, flat earth. <laughs> I can't lie, dude, monkeys don't exist. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on out there. I'll blow your mind, bro. You figure maybe in the course of this very short time period, right? Because she flew out there at the beginning of October she goes AWOL October 7th. And really, like, remember, she went to the business conference. She didn't seem to be acting weird. She hung out with her friends. She wasn't acting weird. So in a very short time period, maybe three or four days, she goes from normal to freaking out her family members saying, we live in a matrix. You don't understand. This is all a game. So you go, maybe she had stumbled across this conspiracy theory. It would be really weird for it to take hold that quickly. I think, you know, as conspiracy theorists ourselves, I mean, I can't really speak for you, but the scarier answer would be she's at this business meeting. She's a tech-savvy person. Maybe she's meeting other tech-savvy people. The more powerful and connected you get, you do start to learn things that are hidden from everybody else. That That is true. Now, that doesn't mean that the person telling you that's 100% correct, but you may bump into someone who you really respect, and they're like, hey, no, I gotta be honest with you. Like, what's the point? We're all just living in a simulation. And they could lay it out like that. And who knows if she came across... Cause I don't personally believe we live in a simulation, but I'm not gonna say I know that a thousand percent. Maybe she did discover some hidden truth hidden from all of us that we live in a simulation maybe it was no longer just a theory but she discovered it as a fact and that would drive you nuts that would absolutely i think that is hp lovecraft level horror to know i mean like it'd be the same thing if i learned for a hundred percent fact that aliens were demons that would chill me to the bone it would absolutely terrify me because then I'm like, <sighs> I know demons are bad and these aliens, you know, I was up in the air. I didn't know if they were good or bad, but the government's been working with them. Like they have this, st- like, you know what I mean? Like, imagine if you found that out as a hundred percent fact. Or if you found out for a hundred percent fact, there is no life after death. Zero. There's not even a chance of it that could be proven to me. Would chill me to the bone. I don't think any of those, though, would make me manic. I think finding out there's no life after death would make me depressed. It wouldn't make me manic. And that's how they were describing 
Aaron, so that's p- weird thing part one. That's not even the weirdest part of the story. I know people personally believe in the simulation theory. I've watched videos on the simulation theory. It's a pretty standard conspiracy theory at this point. That's not the weird part. The weird part is how Aaron died. October 12th, 2023, they found her dead in her car. The coroner says it wasn't a homicide. It wasn't a suicide. It wasn't an accident. There's only four causes of death that a coroner can write down. Homicide, suicide, accident, or natural causes. And that is what the coroner put down. Aaron died of natural causes following a, quote, acute manic episode. But no one will explain what that means. How do you have, I can understand having a manic episode and killing yourself. I can understand having a manic episode and running through the streets and getting hit by a car. That's an accident. I could even understand a manic episode where you kill somebody else. How do you have a manic episode, an acute manic episode that kills you? I don't even think a manic episode can give you a heart attack. But I would argue that that's what it would be ruled as. And and I should say, to show how improv this show is. I think some of you guys may think I write a script, which is not the case. I did look it up because that just popped up in my head. Could you have a heart attack from a manic episode? If you are diagnosed with bipolar disorder and you have an acute manic episode, you can have a heart attack. That is true. There's no report showing that, there's no articles or anything showing that she suffered from bipolar disorder. I'm not saying that it's impossible for that to be the case. But you even have, uh, and I'll put all that in the show, (laughs) you have bipolar disorder, you're like, oh no, it's giving you a manic episode. That's really recent, uh, that's a really recent study back in 2022, they figured that out. Even, uh, Publications such as Business Insider, so I'm not looking at like hardcore conspiracy websites, they're saying it doesn't make sense how she died. It doesn't make sense. So in that particular set of circumstances, it is possible that she had a heart attack. What I was going to say, because we don't know, obviously that's her private health information, it is one of those stories that is weird. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's a little less weird now. It could have That could have been it. Without knowing that, probably should, maybe I should write a script. Maybe I should figure that out. Because I didn't know I was going to go down the whole heart attack route. Originally, I was going to say, it sounds weird that maybe she did find out something. She learned something she wasn't supposed to, and she started freaking out and telling people. And she had to be silenced. It's possible. (laughs) I'm thinking now that it's more likely that she silently suffered with an undiagnosed with undiagnosed bipolar disorder, and then she had an acute manic episode that did kill her. Which is creepier, if you think about it. And I know I've been doing this, and I know I've said this before on the show, but I think it's creepier to think that instead of the CIA tracking her down because she knows too much and killing her, 
like that I'm not saying that that should be celebrated or anything but it's a lot creepier to think that you can get so worked up over something and then you just die and then it's all over it's funny because cuz you know the thing is is like I was thinking well let's say that she did find out that we're all in a simulation. Like I said, I know people who believe we're in a simulation. There's people all over the internet who believe in that. How come they weren't killed? But she was. But now I'm thinking of this less as a conspiracy and more of just a sad story of how the human body can work against us sometimes. It's just us. It's just our soul in this body. And we should be working in tandem to prolong our lives and to have healthy experiences while we're here. But I think sometimes our body just uh, craps out. You know, sometimes our soul starts the process by just like sitting there all day long. And you let your muscles kind of get atrophied. And you're just eating a bunch of McDonald's. Yummy, yummy. Which I do love McDonald's. I'm not knocking that. But you know what I mean? Like that's your soul kind of letting you kind of become lethargic. And not really doing what you should be doing. Or what you need to be doing. And then I think you can kind of get the energy back. And I I think you can always bounce back from that. Sometimes our soul holds our body back, but sometimes our body holds our soul back. Where you could be totally fit. You could be at the peak of health, but there's just something going wrong with your body. It's interesting that they could that could just be this that this woman may have just had that Aaron may have just had bipolar disorder and got so worked up she had a heart attack in her car that's just sad that's not like a conspiracy at all <laughs> i mean you know like now i've totally changed my tone you're like oh jason this has been your most depressing week ever to my credit i did not expect this story well this story did have a young woman die in it and that's depressing but i didn't expect it to be as depressing so let's try to head let's go ahead and try to put a spin on this If you do suffer from bipolar disorder, you're at a higher risk for a heart attack. So, you know, maybe you want to talk to your doctor about that. I mean, I don't know. Now I feel kind of bad because I was kind of spinning this conspiratorial story. Maybe she did discover something. That is the thing with the show, right? We've talked about this before. The show, we do deal with real people dying and families mourning. I Even at the beginning, I was like, eh. This whole bit about the police officers and taking the photographs. This young woman's dead in the car. Um, yeah, I, sometimes, I, sometimes I second guess stuff and maybe I should third or fourth guess it as well. But maybe we can learn something from this. We'll move away from the conspiratorial on this particular story. She might have just had a horrible heart attack. But nobody saw it coming, not even her. Like, Jason, damn it, quit being depressing. Next week, better have a bunch of, like, funny cryptids in it. Teddy bears or something. Daddy Bobbles, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind San Jose. Fly us all the way out to Illinois. We're out in Illinois. Specifically, we're headed to Algonquin, Illinois. And we're looking for Square Barn Road. Square Barn Road, if you're familiar with the area, between Huntley Road and Algonquin Road, there is Square Barn Road. It's about a two-mile stretch. And it's interesting. I love having 
specific locations for these stories because I'll look them up on Google Earth. I'll kind of get a layout for the place. This is a super, at least it appears on Google Earth, a, while not extremely well-traveled road, it's definitely not in the middle of nowhere. It's like right in between two major roads. There's a lot of places nearby. There's actually a business on this road. At least one, I think two businesses. It's not super isolated. There's a park on one side. There's other roads peeling off of it. It's not BFE. But the story goes that if you drive down Square Barn Road around midnight, you'll see two kids run out in front of your car. They'll jump right in front of your car. Your headlights catch them clearly as they're sprinting across the road. They're running as fast as they can from one side of the road to the other. And right behind them, you see two men and a woman sprinting after these kids. Two kids run across the road, three adults run across the road, and they're gone. If you try looking, you won't see them in the darkness. It's almost as if they vanished, almost as if they were never there in the first place. This is an old ghost story. That says that one night, a long time ago, two kids were running away from two men and a woman, and the adults were planning on murdering these children. And they eventually caught up to them, and they butchered them. Butchered these kids. And what you're seeing is a replay of those events. These children trying to escape their murderers, but they never do. It's an interesting ghost story. You know, I looked it up. I thought... Let's see if any of this is true. So what I like to do with all of our ghost stories, one of the things I like about the Shadowlands.net is where I found this one. So it gives you enough information that you can find, or not, right, back up information on some of this stuff. So I looked into it. I couldn't find any proof that any kids were murdered. But again, what did the murder happen in the 1800s? Did it happen in the 1980s? But as far as we can tell, no... Kids have been murdered by three adults. Not, let me me say this. I'm sure that's happened, unfortunately, in the state of Illinois. But in this particular area, there is no police record or report of kids running away from their murderers down the road, across Square Bond Road, in the middle of this area, nothing. When you look into ghost accounts, they'll say, no, the murders happened. The police just covered it up. They were very tight-lipped about it. The local government clamped down on the media. They weren't allowed to report it. So on and so forth and so on. I won't say that that's impossible. The media does have a heavy thumb on it. Local media more than national media. National media has the CIA, right? The CIA pushes in on it. The U.S. government overall pushes in on it. Which, that's what I would do too, right? If I was the CIA, I 100% would have someone in each major newspaper, every single network. I'm sure there's CIA people who work at Netflix and Hulu and Disney+. Plus. Of course they do. I would do it too. So would you if you were in charge of those stuff. But local media, it's far easier to control. Way easier to control. So, you know, I'm not going to say that that's impossible. However, 
when I'm looking at these stories, one thing I do is I would like to find... <laughs> Here's the thing. You're like, Jason, so you want to find proof of real kids being murdered? No, not necessarily, but you know what I mean. As a paranormal researcher, it does give you an idea to think, like, is this a ghost story that guys tell their girlfriends because they want to drive down this road and scare them before you guys end up necking off on Lover's Lane? There's a lot of ghost stories like that. Or is this actually a ghostly sighting? Would this be something that a local paranormal group should spend their time doing? Or is it a total waste of time? Is it a total urban legend? Urban legends are fun. I like telling them occasionally on the show. But we like to look into that stuff. And it really is the setup for that question is, can murderers trap the souls of their victims? That's what we would be looking at in this story. These, listen, I've never been a killer. I've never been a serial killer or anything like that. You're like, oh no, Jason's going to say something real dark. With that caveat, I've never killed anybody. But I would think if I was some sort of maniacal killer, I don't know if I would have so much fun killing the person as I would have in hunting them down. For me, it would be the pursuit that would be the most exciting part. The stabbing them, I'm like, oh, boring blood's all shooting in my face. I was like, oh, I've been there, done that. So if I was a killer and I wanted to relive the terror, it would be the pursuit. So the question is, is it possible that these are the souls of these children trapped in this nightmarish world where they are chased forever through the darkness by their murderers? Terrifying. But we don't even know if any kids die. But it is a theory that I've had for a while because I come across stories like that and I come across stories like this. This was actually the first story I came across that made me think of this. The story I'm about to tell you, I've referenced it probably the past 50 episodes of Dead Rabbit Radio. I've kept saying something similar to this and I was meaning to do the story. Daddy Bobbles is going to fire up that carpenter copter up once more. We're headed out to Gainesville, Florida. Specifically... The University of Florida. Again, if you're a local, check it out. Because this one... Okay, <laughs> so so this one is pretty crazy. University of Florida, there is a sports bar there called The Social at Midtown. Again, I was able to look all this stuff up on Google Earth. Next to it's an Italian gator pizza by the slice. Pizza makes me hungry, right? <laughs> you get a bite to eat before we talk about this horrifying story. Before it was the social at Midtown, it was called Gator City. Before that, it was called the XS Dance Club. Before that, it was called the Purple Porpoise. It's always been this club, this bar, this hangout spot. And it has always, since the days of the Purple Porpoise, had the story of a haunting at this nightclub. Customers and staff have reported hearing voices, feeling watched. The TV turns on by itself. The walk-in cooler, which always has a, a pretty hefty latch on it, would open by itself. Phantom footsteps could be heard in areas where they knew there was no employees or customers. And every so often you would see the apparition of a young woman. She was brunette and short, five foot two. Over time, people began to call her Nancy. Nancy, the ghost of this young woman who haunts the purple porpoise. And then when it became excess, she was still there. When it became Gator City, she was still there. And apparently she's still there to this day. 
The Social at Midtown is what it's called now. I found this story originally on the Shadowlands.net, and their write-up basically said, This is a college town, and in the 60s, a female student was brutally attacked and killed in the upstairs bathroom. To this day, her ghost and the violent ghost, more likely an imprint, of her killer haunt the cramped hallway and restroom. She emits a feeling of hopelessness and fear while he is pure evil. Men are usually safe, but numerous females have been attacked. So that was, I, I had read that Shadowlands entry months ago, and I think I've made references here and there about a soul of a murderer trapping the soul of a victim, and I was referencing that Shadowlands.net entry. And then I was like, I, I really want to dig more into that purple porpoise story. So I started going through it, and I read site after site after site, and they all kind of said the same thing. There's a lot of writings about this ghost. It's a very popular ghost because it's a very popular hangout spot. And it has been for decades. It's right next to the University of Florida. You have people coming there all the time. You have countless people encountering this spirit, Nancy. You do also have people talk about a dark presence there. Not a visibly dark presence, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it's just a young girl's spirit there. They do sometimes talk about more of a negative energy in the sports bar as well. And that could go with the feeling watched type of thing, right? Where you just don't feel comfortable. You also had accounts of a stool flying off the bar. Like they were putting all the stools up on the bar. A stool flying off the bar into a wall. So you go, okay. So, I mean, that would probably be the evil presence there. So do we have the story of a killer who has trapped the soul of his young victim? Is this also another... Situation like that, when you look at these articles, they keep saying the same thing. Back in the 1960s, a young woman was murdered in an upstairs bathroom. They call her Nancy. And I read a lot of articles about this one. <laughs> I read a lot of articles about this story, which is funny because it's just a paragraph on Shadowlands.net. I probably read maybe 10 different articles. Because what I wanted to know is the origin story true not every ghost has an origin story i'd argue for most ghosts we never know where they come from but when you're talking about something a theory that is it possible for a murderer's soul to trap the soul of his victim was there a murder there in the first place and i'm reading all of these articles and they all say the same thing in the 1960s a woman was brutally murdered in the upstairs bathroom. I'm doing all this research. It's late at night. I'm getting ready to close up shop. I'm getting ready to shut down all my tabs. I'm saving my show notes. And I have one... <laughs> I have one tab left to read. There's a blog... Written by a guy named William D. Kenneth. This blog has one post. All the news articles I read. TampaBay.com. University of Florida's official news website. Gainesville.com. One blog post. 
by William D. Kenneth. October 3rd, 1965. Catherine Oliveros, a 19-year-old college student, is visiting the town of Gainesville with her boyfriend to hang out with her brother. Now, before this place was the Purple Porpoise, it was called the College Inn. That was the original name of the place, and that's what it was called back in 1965. Catherine Oliveris and her boyfriend are going to the College Inn. And they're going to hang out with her brother. They're going to have a good weekend. Catherine turns to her boyfriend and says, Hey, order some Cokes. Order some Cokes. We'll get something to drink. Uh, I'll be right back. I have to go use the restroom. William Kenneth found this newspaper article. I'll put it in the show notes. It's absolutely unbelievable. This was a real murder, and it's going to terrify you. Catherine goes upstairs to use the women's restroom. She's sitting there in the stall. The stall next to her is another woman sitting there. They're going to the bathroom. And as Catherine is going to the bathroom, her stall door opens up and a man is just standing there looking at her. And she freaks out. Catherine freaks out. She There shouldn't be a man in here. Definitely shouldn't be opening the stall door. Catherine's screaming and the man looks at her and then begins to stab her while she's sitting on the toilet. Stabs her in the chest, slashes her across the face, and then he takes off running. The woman in the next stall hears everything. She doesn't see it. But imagine you're just, I mean, it'd be hard enough to imagine being Catherine's place, but being the person sitting next to her, you're just sitting there, and all of a sudden you hear screaming coming from the stall next to you, and then you would see the blood hitting the bathroom floor. She's bleeding profusely at this point. And then you hear heavy footsteps run out. The boyfriend downstairs sitting there with two Cokes, one for him and one for his girlfriend who's upstairs using the bathroom. All of a sudden you hear screaming. And then you realize it's your girlfriend screaming. She's rushed to the hospital. Catherine's rushed to the hospital. While she is there, she is able to give a description of her attacker. She saw him pretty briefly. But she's able to give a description of her attacker. She dies two hours later. On the operating table. Eleven days after that attack. So what are we looking at? October 14th. Milton Lawson Luke, a 23-year-old former employee of the College Inn, is arrested. He said, I don't know really what happened. I was just kind of walking around, daydreaming. It's kind of like in a, kind of just in a cloudy state of mind. I don't really know. I was just daydreaming. And I just happened to walk into the women's restroom. It doesn't explain why he stabbed her. He didn't really explain that. Psychiatrists 
said that he had a hard time controlling his emotions. He must have gotten scared or angry or something, but he pulled this knife out and stabbed her in the chest and slashed her across the face. He got life in prison for this murder. He got life in prison for second-degree murder, just crime of passion. Not really thinking about it. It's not premeditated. It's not entirely accidental. Second-degree murder. Life in prison. But he was paroled after serving only 20 years. So we do have a young woman who was murdered there. Her name is not Nancy. If William Kenneth, like, he actually took screenshots or had, like, archive saves of those newspaper articles about this case. He had one blog post. If he had not done that, we would have never known these details. It would have just been like, uh huh. I think it's amazing that he did that. And if you are in the Gainesville area, spread the story. You don't even have to talk about my podcast. Just get the word out. Because I find it very interesting. Very famous ghost story. 99% of the resources out there do not know the origin of it. It is a real story of a woman named Catherine who was murdered while sitting on a toilet seat. But Jason, so we do now have the ghost of... The Purple Porpoise. And then the excess and all these other places that it's become. Was the place haunted when it was the College Inn? As far as I can tell, no. As far as I can tell, there were no reported ghost sightings when it was the College Inn. The ghost sightings always start when it becomes the Purple Porpoise. It's the same building the same layout the same second floor upstairs bathroom which is now only for employees i think they might not even use it as a running restroom or it might be a boys room might be a storage room for all i know but all the early ghost reports mention the purple porpoise they'll say the murder took place when it was called the college inn but we don't see ghost reports from the college inn So why did it take so long for her ghost to manifest? Here's my theory. This is what I'm thinking. Milton arrested in 1965. Let's say the trial took place in 1966. He's sentenced to 20 years. He gets out 1986. The Purple Porpoise opened in 1979. So that's when the name change took place. And when you look at the stories of her haunting the establishment, it talks about the purple porpoise. My guess would be that her ghost began to haunt that place when Milton was let out of prison. My guess is that the injustice. Because he just disappeared. We don't know what happened to Milton after that. Do you think a guy who would brutally murder a woman just using a public restroom, do you think they would then go, well, it's time to just be an auto mechanic for the next 50 years and not do anything crazy? Or do you think they would continue to do crazy stuff? He's gone. We don't know what happened to him, which could mean that he never committed another crime, or it could just be that he was never caught. 
But it's injustice to let this guy go anyway. So you have him getting released minimum 1986. I'm wondering if that is when the ghostly activity started. Purple Porpoise would have been open for about five, six years at that point. We see these notations saying we have hauntings of the Purple Porpoise. So did they start in the mid to late 80s that would match up to him getting out? And I'm wondering in a way, is it possible we look at the story of the ghost of this young woman who seems quite friendly. She's not doing anything bad. She's not doing anything evil. But then you do have this separate evil presence that has been noted there. And I'm wondering if we don't have a situation where Milton has not trapped Catherine, but Catherine has trapped Milton. I'm wondering if it is a situation where because she was killed so brutally and her killer was released so unjustly if it's not his evil spirit lording over her fear and pain and sorrow at dying so young and you have this evil murderer trapping her soul i wonder if it's the other way around because other than that shadowlands report there's no other report of Catherine. Catherine's ghost acting scared. She seems quite personable. She's just doing things ghosts do. Appearing and turning on electronics. Opening doors. She may be, in a way, fine with where she's at. And she may have trapped the soul of Milton, this angry spirit, in a place full of vibrant emotions. A nightclub. A sports bar place where young people come to party, come to fall in love, come to reunite, come to just hang out with some friends. And that's the place that Catherine probably would want to be. But that's not the type of place that Milton would want to be. Even though he used to work there, he did quit. He went and found another job, but I'm wondering if she has trapped him there. I don't know. It's an interesting story. I, I, I will say this is one of these things that I love the most about this job. I would have never uncovered any of this if I wasn't doing this podcast. I probably wouldn't even be reading half of the things I read. I definitely wouldn't be spending my Saturday mornings going through every entry on the Shadowlands.net to find the content and then to find this paragraph and then to spend an evening reading all of these news articles about this place I'll never go to. And then finding that one piece, right? Finding that one. And it, that just as a true crime story is downright chilling. It's pretty dark and depressing stuff sometimes, sure. But it's fascinating putting these pieces together. It's definitely worth doing the work because every so often we come across something like this. A ghost story that sounds like an urban legend that People tell each other they've been passing it down through the years. They've been passing it down through the years so much they don't remember the date and they don't remember her name. It's just girl in the 60s was murdered. But because one man, because one man had a blog 
and save the right documentation. We know her name, Catherine Oliveras. We know the name of her murderer. And I'm wondering if they are still trapped in this bar together. I would hope that she is the one who has trapped him there, who doesn't let him leave. She may be enjoying the nightlife as a part of her afterlife, while Milton is a evil, dark spirit trapped there, unable to escape, a prisoner of the prison he built for himself. I originally went in thinking, is it possible for murderers to eternally trap the souls of their victims? But it turns out, sometimes it might be the other way around. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys.